Um, this has been a great journey of, you know, healing and restoration and finding out what my insecurities are and things like that. But like, I, I'm, I'm tired of being on the journey yet. Like, are we done? Like, can we wrap this up? And I just fasted and prayed from the top of 2020. And I just kept like, you will give me my answers. You will heal these wounds. Like you have to. And once I had that breakthrough moment, which would be two years at the end of this month, um, it clicked for me. podcast passing on what has been passed to us where we talk about life ministry and everything in between i always say this about every guest but in a particular way we are so privileged to have dr candace arusala here with us to join us to talk about career and calling mm. and so I'm going to let Candace tell us a little bit about herself because I'm pretty sure they know a lot about us already. So let's, uh, let's hear your story, fair. Candace. Like, you know, how, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, hi, I'm uh, Candace and I come from a family that is multicultural. My mom is from Grenada. My dad is from Nigeria. So grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky, which is in the Western part of Kentucky where we're predominantly white community as a family with immigrant parents, first generation black American. And my dad is a physician, my mom is a nurse. So in our family, medical field was heavily um, talked about and encouraged for me and my brothers. We were also very musical as well. We were, had a lot of music lessons and dance lessons, different sports activities, so very, involved in the community, but the goal was always to become the physician. So going to school, always really focused heavily on sciences and math. Even when I went to boarding arts school, which is kind of eclectic. Um, <laughs> I didn't know they had boarding schools just for art. It's like, uh, yeah, so we did like music, there was music performance, dance, graphic, art, writing, creative writing, um, and theater. And so you could concentrate in one of those um, arts areas. And I did French horn performance while I was there. So that was my junior and senior year of high school in Boston. Most of the kids that go to those schools want to do like a Juilliard mm-hmm. where they try to get picked up by a theater company or they end up on Broadway or something like that. I ended up at Southern. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I, no, no hang on Southern. No we, hang on Southern. We all went to Southern. I just confused my <laughs> whole school uh, when I said I was going to go to an Adventist school versus trying to go to like Rice University. I'm just, I'm just curious, like, did you ever have that uh, desire to probably attend like a Juilliard school? Like, did that ever cross your not for French horn performance. Like I used French horn performance as a way to get into the school, but what I really wanted to do was like theater. Okay. So that was just like always my little secret desire, but I was always involved in theater club, improv club, helped out with any of the theater productions, the opera productions, just so I could be close to the stage. Mm. Um, but I knew culturally 
Oh my gosh, lie. So, I went to Southern. And <laughs> yes, she did. She's that's, that, that's funny. I actually did theater in high school and stuff like that. But I Me wasn't, too. I, I was not prepping for Juilliard and knew no clue what that was. I got a scholarship to go to the community college for it, but that was about the extent of my my acting career. So uh, That's just like, that's I mean, I, I didn't have a desire to do music professionally, even though I studied music. I think it's because I studied music at a school like that where I was like, I'm starting to do music theory for all the radio songs. And I feel like this is taking away the joy of music. From the <laughs> if I'm trying to analyze the songs on the radio, it's time to get out of that. Oh, wow. So um, I went to Southern and did biochemistry pre-med and ended up becoming a missionary in what would have been my senior year at Southern and that's actually where I really wrestled with the idea of actually becoming a physician. Mm. And upon coming back, I took the MCAT and did not pass the MCAT. And I was like, shucks, didn't <laughs> pass the MCAT. Guess I can't go to medical school. <laughs> so you weren't really that devastated. No. Okay. No, no. Um, I was pretty sure walking out that I passed. I technically tried to pass, I tried not to pass on purpose, but that's a whole other story. We don't talk about that. So I didn't pass the MCAT and I spent that last year trying to figure out what I was going to do. Mm. Prayed a lot about it and God really guided me towards pharmacy. And I noticed how looking back, the ways that God had been trying to get me to go in that direction, but I didn't pick up on it until yeah. after my missionary year in Ecuador. So I ended up getting into pharmacy school after taking a gap year to get those extra prerequisites that don't aren't covered in your pre-med program. Mm. So I got those extra courses and got into University of Kentucky, which is actually like one of the top five pharmacy schools in the country, oh, wow. which threw me off because I didn't think that was what my grades reflected, but the Lord, yeah. <laughs> he said, you going. So yeah. I, I got through pharmacy school I didn't pass my first semester and I had to repeat my first year and do it again. And I ended up falling in love with the, the field of pharmacy a ton. But once I got to my last year of pharmacy school, that's when I started to realize that the knowledge that I had obtained throughout pharmacy school didn't quite matter until I understood what was going on with my patients before they ever got to the pharmacy. Mm. So you would start seeing things like patients coming to talk to you about the fact that they would come get their medications, except they haven't been able to pay their light bill for three months. So mm. they've been candlelighting it, getting flashlights, um, their water isn't working, wow. they can't they don't have transportation to even get to a pharmacy. They live in the rural areas. They have to wait for someone in the community to say they're going into town, mm. which can be 45 minutes away. Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of plan all of their appointments together. Mm -hmm. And then if someone bails out, then they, they just can't come. And so I'm like, why do I have all this information if there's so much going on at home before you even see me? And that's when I got into public health. So after I graduated, I did my master's in public health at George Washington University and taking all of that knowledge into the pharmacy was really challenging when 
you start to recognize that the structure of the healthcare system wasn't, it wasn't catered for the focus of the patient as much as it was catered towards the focus of making the company that we work for money. Mm. And that became too much for me to handle. And I started praying about it a ton in my first year as a pharmacist. And the more I prayed about it, the more God revealed things to me that were going on in the healthcare system that I don't think I would have seen had I not had the pharmacy and public health background. Mm. And so I just kept praying about it, thinking maybe I should just switch to a different area of healthcare. Um, maybe I should just switch companies. So I started looking for jobs online and realized that I didn't have the heart to practice anymore. Mm. It just completely left me. But at the same time, I had started my podcast already during the pandemic, and I felt so alive being able to do things like that, as well as doing public speaking and doing advocacy work. Mm. I felt like that that's where my heart really, truly is, and I felt that calling. So I went into a season of fasting and praying last year, all of August, and was like, Lord, by the end of this, 30-day prayer and fast, I need a clear answer. Do I stay? Do I go? Mm -hmm. And when do I go if I leave? And by the end, I I had told God, like, I'm going to give myself a 90-day window so I can think about the finances and think about um, what else I can do in an interim if I'm switching to another role. By the end of the 30 days, he was like, you have to the end of the week to put in your due notice, two, two week notice. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> the bank account wasn't ready for that are you sure uh, he was like absolutely and I was like okay so I put in my two week notice and left within a week and mm. I just went home and all I had was my cameras my computer my podcast and speaking gigs and I kind of just sat in that space that I've, I've been calling my wilderness season. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that calling to leave. And then I just felt like I was in this space where I knew I was called there, but it didn't look the way I thought it was going to look once I entered it. Mm -hmm. And I had to get used to the idea of not being in an education program, not being in a work environment, and just having to really be in tune with what God wants me to do. So... Here I am still doing the thing, and the Lord's been very faithful in showing me the things that I should be doing at this season of my wilderness season and how he's preparing me to go to my promised land and what that may or may not look like the closer I get to that space. And he's been sending great mentors my way to help guide this process, and it's making, it's making me re- think what having your career and knowing your purpose mm -hmm. are, how they're, how they can be similar, but also how they can differ from one another. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned um, in your story that because of your, your parents and their, and their work, there was sort of like this path, so to speak, that was already kind of preset for you. Like this was where we want you to go. And I resonated with that because uh, my parents, they were, they were doctors or nurses, but my dad, when he 
when he immigrated to this country, he had one dream for me, and that was to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. So at a young and impressionable age, I mean, like, it, when you ask kids what they want to do when they grow up, they don't know. They're probably, like, thinking they want to be, like, their, their cartoon hero. Like, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I had that preset path for me, so I was, you know, an obedient son, and I followed along that path, but um, that career path, although it was good, and I was, you know, there's, there's an honorable profession, I never really felt that that was what I was put on this earth to do. But I would talk myself into it. And I'm curious, like, did you kind of have a similar experience going into your profession where it was just like, okay, I was told to do, do this, like, it's, it's a good job. And did you find yourself having to coach yourself into having to go into pharmacy, so to speak? Not so much into pharmacy as much as going into like the pre-med mindset. Yeah. Pharmacy felt like God was calling me into an area that I didn't really know about. Like yeah. I had a pharmacist growing up, but I didn't really know anything about the right. world of pharmacy other than that pharmacist. Yeah. So the world of pharmacy itself felt more catered to my heart for medicine, mm -hmm. but being a physician specifically, was the was the biggest drive in the family and that didn't always feel like what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I couldn't always tell yeah. as well because it was constantly yeah. talked yeah. about. So it's like, is this me really liking this? Or is it because I keep hearing it that I'm yeah. talking myself into liking this? Yeah. Uh, and I've watched doctor shows and I'm like, well it's kinda cool, but how some of this not necessarily the reality that happens in medicine. So like I'm not really sure. I, it's a curious field. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of amazing things that happen in the medical field, but I don't know if the life of a physician is for me. And yeah. a lot of that had to do with watching my father mm -hmm. be a physician. And he loves what he does, but to watch him as a physician also still have to work two and three jobs just to keep up and pay bills and then as an immigrant you have to take care of your family back home and so it's not the yeah. glamorous lifestyle that people just assume doctors have and you know walking into his doctor's office and seeing the stress on him was like do I do I really want to do that and I would find myself gravitating towards theater and music all the time as an outlet Right. And that's where I felt like the most myself um, to the mm -hmm. point where my older brother and my mom would often say things like, you should be on TV one day. And they would just say it kind of nonchalantly, but they would say it enough where it was in the back of my head going, I actually, I feel like I would feel more comfortable being on TV, just being myself, whether it was acting, my own TV show, something than to be in my room studying for my biology exam. Like, it just didn't feel like me. Not that I didn't like what I was reading. Yeah. It just didn't seem to hit the core of who I was. Uh, I, I, found that, I found that interesting because even on one of your recent podcasts, you tell the story of Steve Harvey mm -hmm. and kind of that whole aspect of, you know, I want to be on TV and the rejection that he had in his younger years in the classroom. So I just, I, you know, obviously when listening to that podcast, I didn't know that connection that you personally had with that moment to share that moment. So that's, that's really cool to hear kind of a tidbit on that. And, you know, just, you know, FYI, 
Candace has her own podcast, which we'll talk about a little bit toward the end of our podcast today. But um, yeah, I find that incredibly fascinating, especially both of you guys kind of, you were, um, I don't want to use the word groomed, but prepared for a certain life where, you know, I, there was no expectations on me as a child because nobody in my family graduated high school. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an expectation for education. And for me, it was always a settling for whatever's next best. Cause you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be I the next, that. I wanted to be the next Tom Blavin. I or love that. I, I wanted to be, you know, I, I just looked, I love, cause I watched the, I watched Atlanta Braves baseball with my grandfather all throughout the nineties. And of course it helped because they were like the team during the nineties yeah. that couldn't finish <laughs> except for in, in one year in 95. And I realized by the time I was probably 14, 15 years old that I did not have the skills in order to play at that kind of level. But I loved the game so much, I wanted to have some kind of attachment to it. And I was actually in the doctor's office getting my sports physical for the year. And I started talking to the doctor about what was it like to be a physician? Because I couldn't be a doctor because I've dealt with too much death in my life. Growing up, I grew up with grandparents and great-grandparents, so I've been to so many funerals. I knew I couldn't handle emotionally the, the death side of things. But I'm like, well, how, many, how often does a sports physician deal with somebody dying? You know, I mean, they're fixing tennis elbows and, and blowing out knees and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's like, you know, maybe I could be the doctor for the Braves. <laughs> you know, that's so, and I, I didn't think about it until much later in my life that I was always settling because I didn't have the expectations that I could reach that higher level of expectation. So being on the outside looking in, um, having parents that do push you, even if it is overly pushing you to achieve more, gives you the ability to maybe not necessarily achieve what they wanted, but to achieve a level of success that is maybe beyond what you may have thought yourself capable of growing up. Because I know for me, it's like every time that I did something, it's like, well, I'm not quite good enough for this, so I'm gonna take this. And so when I took my military exams, I, I scored incredibly, incredibly high on the military exam, the ASVABs. And I got calls from the Navy, the Marines. I, I was getting called from all the branches when I got my, my test scores. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be good enough for that. And so I settled for a truck driver because I didn't think that I was going to be good enough. And so my, for me, the whole idea of career versus calling has always been, I'm not good enough. Right. And again, this is a plug for Kansas podcast. She talks a lot about the idea of, of discovering who you are and loving yourself for yourself. Um, Another plug. (laughs) Um, And that's been always super, super hard for me, especially in this idea of calling, am I worth it or am I good enough to do that? So I just, I find it incredibly powerful that um, through your calling, because you've also said this, that God called you into pharmacy, right? Mm -hmm. But that was not a calling for a lifetime. That was a calling for a season to prepare you for the lifetime. Because mm-hmm. you found things in your calling mm-hmm. to pharmaceutical, pharmaceuticals, which you did a whole lot of study and not a whole lot of practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. But it helped you discover something about yourself mm-hmm. and a need that God was calling you to fill. Yeah. And so maybe talk a, bit, a little bit about how you transitioned from academia to working in a successful field, which most people would consider being a doctor of any, in any sort of success in, in, in whatever your career field is, mm-hmm. to content creation? I mean, 
that's kind of a crazy, yeah, a crazy transition. I mean, you know, and, and I know that people from us are like, oh, Candace, come on. Now, I know you got a support network as well, but I won't go into all that, but talk to us a little bit about that. That's funny that you talk about the, you know, I don't feel good enough or worthy enough because I haven't necessarily seen it before me. I had the same problem, but it was because I've seen it. Mm. So it was like, can I meet, live up to, can I uh, keep the yeah. bar up was yeah. the issue. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know if I was capable or worthy of having the bar set here and not knowing if I was ever even going to reach it to even match mm. that bar. Mm. And that was something I wrestled a lot with, especially getting to hear the success of my dad through our community, anyone that you came in contact with, they had so many great things to say about him. And my brothers were so academically strong and I always felt like I was behind, like struggling behind the scenes to get those grades that were expected of me in the context of my family. So I always felt like at some point I'm going to drop the ball. Like someone's going to find out that I'm I'm not capable of holding the bar up the way that they think I am. And that's what failing pharmacy, my first year of pharmacy school did for me. Wow. It was like, now they know. <laughs> now they know I have, I, I've been struggling to keep the bar up in. I didn't even fail by that much. I failed one class by 1.3%. But that felt like the weight of everything. If I hadn't, I'm like, I don't know if my brother's failing anything, my dad failing anything, my mom failing anything. I'm the first one to fail. That's what that felt like. Um, And then having to find my worth, still having to face going back, having to face explaining to people why I wasn't at the school, like, mm-hmm. was torture within mm-hmm. me. Wanted to hide so much, but had really specific mentors in that program that really spoke to me of God's work, surprisingly, in a secular university. But we had some strong Christians mm-hmm. in the school that knew that I was vocal about my faith and would often pull me in their office and then be like, all right, secular school aside, let's talk about Jesus. And I'm like, okay, because <laughs> like, I'm just so overwhelmed. <laughs> let's talk about Jesus. And that would encourage me to, you know, just because you didn't pass here doesn't mean you're going to fail in the long run. That, that just only gives you more character and allows you to empathize and allows you to just regroup, you know? Um, so it, I can resonate with that feeling of, am I able to reach there? But it's from the opposite perspective. Which is which is really interesting because so many times we are in that place of fear because of the expectations that have been put before us or the lack of expectations put before us. Because so you know we we struggle with the same thing from two different perspectives, and I don't think I don't think many of us realize that when we see somebody that we we deem as being successful, what are the struggles that person's gone through to be able to do that and do they feel that? And of course, in our we, we interviewed our conference president and he even mentioned, Steve Haley even talked about, there's times that he doesn't feel like, why, why has God got me here in this position? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the wonderful thing about the God that we serve is he calls us in our brokenness to work with us through our brokenness, mm-hmm. not to obtain or to be this thing. He just wants us to be with him. And to move through him. And it's really interesting when you talk about failure. I know in my experience, um, 
it's not it's not easy to admit failure, right? Yeah. None of us like to fail because I was the kind of student that was always like, you know, I was did good in school, but um, and I think that my crisis point, not just spiritually but also with career and calling, was when I was in college and I was pursuing uh, pre med. Um, I I I'll admit that I there was there was a couple of classes that I just did not do very good at, and I even though. You know, I didn't fail, fail. Like it was like if for me not getting to that far was a failure for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was always used to success, you know, and I and the fact that I couldn't sustain it really kind of plunged me in a place where I was like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm probably not gonna be a doctor, and so that kind of put me in a place where I was wrestling like one already on the back of my mind. Like I really didn't want to do this. Like I, I was doing this because this is what I was I was supposed to do. But now I'm in a place where it's just like now I'm starting to this is this where is this really what God wants me to do? And it was in that crisis point, that failure that I was experiencing that really kind of sharpened my focus on what it was that God was calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, would you say that that point of I guess failure point was that catalyst that kind of spurred you to see your calling a little bit more clearly or or, or what, how, did, how did that play into you finding your calling? I wouldn't say that that point did that for me. Okay. I think what did it for me was getting to a space that made me realize that whether it was the job that I had or not, because at that point I thought it was like my job mm-hmm. was my calling and purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I needed to get to a space where if I take away the job, the education, family expectations, cultural expectations, if I take everything away and it's just me, can I wake up and see myself every day mm-hmm. and love what I do back? Like mm-hmm. when I realized that I was done not being able to confidently love all of who I am, and yet the Bible says that there's nothing on this planet or in the heavens in the depths of hell, you know, nothing can separate me from his love for me. Yeah. I was like, then there's a disconnect between what he's telling me, what I'm telling me. And mm. until I figure, until this is resolved, I don't know if I can sustainably go through life just walking a question mark because mm. of my insecurities wow. and my lack of self-worth. Once I got to the I'm done feeling that way, point which was end of 2019 end of 2020 I think was like okay we need to drive this home for real because I've been working on it probably since the summer before I left as a missionary where I, was, where I really felt that I was at my lowest point in life but even on that journey I was like I still haven't quite hit that space of really loving all of me yet and feeling worthy of just being here Mm -hmm. and doing something that impacts God's people and I was like Lord you this is the year we're figuring it out like (laughs) this has been a great journey of you know healing and restoration and finding out what my insecurities are and things like that but like I I'm I'm tired of being on the journey now like are we done like can we wrap this up and I just fasted and prayed from the top of 2020. And I just kept like, you will give me my answers. You will heal these wounds. Like, you have to. 
And once I had that breakthrough moment, which would be two years at the end of this month, um, it clicked for me. And I had a love for myself that I never had before. And I think because of that moment, I don't think I would have been able to hear God as clearly about leaving my job. Mm. Or even if I did, I would have been like, you're tripping. And just <laughs> kept on <laughs> keeping on, you know? Because I think I needed to have that love self and the feeling like the worth that I had was carried by Christ, that he could carry my worth into spaces that I didn't think my worth could be in without him. Mm-hmm. Um, without that confidence, I, there, there were, I would still be working as a pharmacist today, hands down. Yeah. Wow. So when you finally had that breakthrough, that confidence, that self-love, that uh, the desire to follow God's path, and you, you, did you, or did you envision where you are now, doing podcasts and doing speaking? I mean, like, was that did, did that ever kind of culminate in your mind during this whole process, or did you, did you feel like that God kind of was just like, here, this is this is where I need you to be? Like, how did that break out? I feel like it snuck up on me. Okay. To be honest, okay. yeah, I feel like it just kind of landed in my lap and I recognized where my heart was for content creation and it, it actually started with being a guest on someone else's podcast close to, probably like a couple months before that regular season and I got off that podcast and I immediately called my mom and I was like mom I don't even think pharmacy school my master's program sport like music class nothing has given me this level of like drive and energy in my life and I didn't know just having a microphone talking to someone on you know in a camera would do that for me I need to start this so I had already been starting a little bit of recording I hadn't released my podcast yet but I recognized that the more that I did it that I felt more free mm-hmm. and I didn't know what that felt like most of my life mm-hmm. and I just kind of wanted to lean into that so the breakthrough moment made it easier to kind of release the podcast and say like, oh, this is actually who I've been. Mm. I'm just now seeing it clearly and embracing it wholly and being okay with other people really seeing this side of me, despite what they've always assumed that I should be in, mm. in medicine and things like that. So that kind of, it kind of snuck up on me and being called out of pharmacy and into full-time content creation that definitely surprised me. Um, but I was, it wasn't so surprising that it scared me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even scared. I was like, cool, let's go. Not a problem. And I just, <laughs> I just left. Um, but I think the transition has been the like weirdest part just because it's so drastically different from what I've always done. But it's also given me space to tap into how creative I actually am and have almost and she forgotten. she is creative, by the way. She's very creative. <laughs> I, you know, I used to be so creative as a kid and I was always like drawing, painting, um, writing poetry, making up uh, songs. I used to study Weird Al, like for real, for real. <laughs> I used to actually, don't laugh for me. Yes. This is real life. 
Yes. I used to be in my room and be yes. like, like a surgeon. Okay. Like, <laughs> let me understand the lyrical genius behind like a surgeon. Like, I just want to know, how do you hear this song on the radio and then you turn it into such comedic genius? Like, who are you, Weird Al? And I used to try to create songs like him and I used to write my own like monologues and, and skits and like movie content like in my room by myself and then when school got so heavy I was like I don't even have the time to be that creative anymore so now this space is like making me relive my youth mm. and I'm like oh okay so I was this person the whole time <laughs> I was this wow. person the whole time and I'm, I'm reminding myself of those exciting moments I'm getting back to listening to Weird Al again I've been loving it and like it's just been so cool to to recognize that God showed this to me so long ago, but the bombardment of everything around me had me forget. And that's where my insecurities came from. It's like when we talk about putting a fish on dry land, of course they don't think they're gonna be able to do anything. But then when you put them in their water, they're like, oh, this is what it's like to breathe. Wow. I get it. Yeah. Um, so you make people feel like, and it can be for good intentions, like especially parents like ours that yeah. immigrants are coming to America. They want to make sure that their kids have more than they have. They right. want to make sure that they're stable in a country that already sees them as lesser than coming in because they're young. You know, like yeah. the intent is always so good and we thank our parents for that. Mm -hmm. But it's also scary because we don't want to do anything that spits on or their intent disrespects. or disrespects mm -hmm. the intent that they had. Yeah. Um, so you wrestle with that too. You know, it's like, how do I shift into where I know God's calling me and make it make sense to my family, to my parents that this is not out of disrespect to them, but it's out of respect to God. You know, yeah, and it, you almost have to be that secure within yourself and your walk with God to know that this might not make sense to them right now. This might not sit well with them. They might have a lot to say about it. But if I walk this line with God long enough, and I have the God fearing parents that I know I have, they'll eventually see it. Mm -hmm. Right? It might not make sense in the beginning. But I trust the God that they serve, and I trust the God that I serve are the same God, and He'll He will show them eventually. And I think for me, having the opportunity to have watched my brother go through becoming member of Pentatonix and watching the confusion on my dad's face, my mom was like, <laughs> "I've known this the whole time." So <laughs> mother's it's intuition, fine. very mother's intuition. Watching my dad being like, what is going on? And my brother the whole time reassuring him. He's like, I know it's weird that I'm living in some little apartment in LA. And like, I, you know, you don't know these people that I'm making music with. And this is definitely not medical school. And like the reassurance that he had to give over and over until he got to that space where it's like, oh, you won a Grammy. Oh, so like you can still be successful. It's like right. Like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't throw away yeah. everything that yep. you taught me. I didn't throw away the creativity or the 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 intellect. He's like, there's science behind making music, Dad. Like he tried to explain that to my dad. He's like, I'm not a musician, Mom. Are you talking about right. son? You know. So he had to really show him and keep reassuring. And then once he got to that space that made sense, 
getting to watch that play out over a few years helped me when I said, okay, if I step out and I get the same reaction, I know that I can keep reassuring if I keep walking with God and keep leaning on where he's taking me and it's eventually going to make enough sense where they feel confident in where I'm going. I'm not just up and leaving my job and it's going to go home and eat bonbons. Like, I'm not doing that, <laughs> honestly. But there's, there is that sense of wanting to still respect your family and still God have to be over that. Mm-hmm. That's hard, but definitely doable and was worth it. Wow. So when we think, so let's say that you were having either a conversation with your younger self or whoever, someone, somebody that's listening or watching this podcast that's kind of like in that, in that space where they're struggling with this career and this calling, what would you say to them? How would you encourage either your younger self or somebody right now that's probably in that same spot, like this is the path that I'm supposed to take, but this is the path that I know God wants me to take. How would you counsel them? Well, one, I would say know who you are, like the worth that you have and claim it. Because it's one thing to read about it in the Bible. It's one thing to hear about it from other people externally. But if you don't have the ability to receive it, your purpose could come dressed as Bozo the Clown in your face and you wouldn't even know it, you wouldn't know. You would reject it. You wouldn't feel confident in reaching out to it. So until you get to that space of saying, I am so confident in who I am just as a person, just walking and breathing in this world because I know whose I am. And I actually claim what he says about me versus reading it and discarding it like it doesn't apply to you. Once you get to that point, it's so much easier to step in any direction you're called into. Because your job isn't isn't always your calling. I always see that your job is the vehicle in which your purpose is driven through. Mm, Wow. Right? So it's it's a means to do what your purpose to do in the world. That's why I see people, they might end up in so many different careers and roles, but the core of who they've been stays the same. And you just have to be attentive to recognizing that. Mm -hmm. So to not be so focused on like, man, this particular job. Yeah, that might be your particular job for this season, but you know your purpose. And how do you channel that purpose through this calling that you have during the season in the capacity that you're being called to it? Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is don't be afraid to, afraid to fast and pray for clarity. <laughs> I don't think we give fasting and praying enough credibility or the power that comes with sacrificing something from yourself to hear more clearly for where you're supposed to go. There's a lot of things that we feel very passionate about, but it might be the wrong time. It might even be the wrong thing altogether. And just getting that extra reassurance and discernment in that capacity can work wonders for making the a more solid move for yourself or a, a move that it, it has spiritual weight 
attached to it. So that's another thing. And I think the third thing is take the time to go on any healing journey you need to go on. If that means going to get a therapist, psychiatrist, whatever, to talk through things that you're still dealing with that have been with you for a while, do that. If that means get a coach, a mentor, talk to your pastor, somebody, but be willing to heal and let go of resentment, let go of pain, forgive those that have truly, truly hurt you, forgive yourself for hurting yourself, forgive yourself for holding on to things for so long. Because the, the more that you hold on to those things, the harder it is to have space to hold on to your purpose. Mm. And you want to have as much free reign of, <laughs> of who you are and who God needs you to be to activate your purpose in its fullest potential. you got to create space for that purpose to work. Mm. So letting go, dropping those weights. God is not joking when he... It's a very unfair trade. But when he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he's like let's trade it is not a fair trade at all but he's willing to make that trade mm. because when he takes it he can deal with it mm. when we take it we don't know what to do with it right. so take giving that to him for real sometimes it takes repetition like it might take a while but going going on that journey to actually allow god to take that and give you his easy yoke and his light burden just allows you to walk free, mm. to not even just be fulfilled, but be fulfilled with confidence and humility mm. in what you're called to do and what your purpose to do in the world. So, you know, you might look, and other people might be confused, but we don't serve a God of understanding. <laughs> he doesn't always give us understanding. He will give us peace that surpasses the understanding. So if you get to sit in that peace, even when you don't understand or anyone else around you understands, but you serve the one who does understand, you'll be absolutely fine. Wow. Candace just dropped a ton of inspiration, encouragement there. And she does this on a regular basis on her podcast. And I know our, our podcast here is coming to a close, but we want to highlight some of your creative outlets, your podcast. So tell us a little bit about this podcast and where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, my podcast is called First Fossil. Fossil means step in Spanish. And the purpose behind it is for people to really share experiences that they've had to take what they would call a first step. We always take a ton of different first steps throughout life. But like, what is a first step experience that someone has had? And where did that step end up taking them? And the advice that they would give to someone else who might be taking a similar step. So the slogan that I have for that is because sometimes you simply need someone to help you take that first fossil. So we talk a lot about that on my podcast and a lot of people share their stories or if they have questions about a step that they're hesitant to take or they're trying to process. Now that they've taken the step, what do they do with it? We kind of hash that out on the podcast. So you can find that pretty much on any podcasting stream platform. It's P-A-S-O for Fossil. Um, and then I also have my website, www.candiceolushula.com. And you can find out other things that I do between speaking gigs and life coaching, as well as the podcast. 
Um, and then I'm on all social media at Candace Alushala, so you can find me there too. Make sure that you follow her on everything. <laughs> like you need to follow her on everything. Uh, thank you, Candace, for joining us. Uh, we could go on all day, but I know that our listeners don't have all day. Uh, but we are grateful for you coming and joining us here. Uh, before we end, we always like to ask our guest uh, if you would like to say a special prayer uh, before we close for um, each other and for our listeners. And so, if you could pray for us, we would appreciate that. Absolutely, close pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for being a God that plants a seed of purpose inside of us. And you're willing to go on that journey, a journey that's constantly counteracted by the enemy because he doesn't want us to know that this seed has been inside of us since before we were born, Lord. But you go on this journey to walk us to a space where that revelation of our purpose is is presented to us and we can have the opportunity to receive it and claim it and walk this life living and breathing our purpose lord for those that are listening that are watching that are struggling they are not fully in love with the person that you created them to be they can't see it maybe they they might see glimpses of it or they might see none of it but what i ask that you continue to walk with them, talk with them, send the right people their way, send the right content their way to listen to, to watch that will help them break down those barriers that are often built up throughout our life to separate us from the truth of who we actually are and just allow them to have that breakthrough, a breakthrough that you so graciously brought me to and allow them to step into that purpose and walk free to live their most fulfilled life for the rest of their lives. Because Lord, them walking in their purpose affects me, it affects John, it affects Tom, it affects everyone around them. We need everyone to be unlocked and released into their purpose, not just for each other, but really ultimately for a kingdom purpose. So Lord, help us to walk in the kingdom purpose that you've put inside of us, so that way more and more people get to fall in love with who you actually are and not a perception of who we've been told you are. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We love you. We glorify you. Cover us from the crowns of our heads to the soles of our feet and allow the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Send the holy angels to protect us from the front, the back, the top, the, the bottom, and everywhere around us, Lord, that we can continue to see you in everything we do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.